Good Up is our space to talk about those experiences in life we didn't know we all had in common. We're the after work happy hour conversation with your best friend. The place where you bring up the hard parts of life, the ones that made you laugh, and the things that made you who you are. Because who said becoming good up wasn't a little bit uncomfortable? Stay tuned for more information about this week's episode. Hey, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode. This week's episode is going to be a very interesting one. I am so excited. I know DJ is excited. You excited? You know I'm excited, girl. (laughs) Um, So we have been talking about this episode for a long time. We definitely wanted to change things up a bit and bring you guys more of a male perspective on the show. We talk about the hard stuff all the time, but typically you're getting my perspective on Deidre's you know, insight on different issues. So for this topic, which is going to be male vulnerability, masculinity, all that stuff, it's only fitting that we have two men on the show who I think could definitely carry this topic really well. So allow me to welcome our guests to the show. If you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourself, we're going to start with Andre and then... Hey, my name is Andre from St. Thomas, um, 34 years old. Married, I kind of don't know what else to say. Um, I teach, I'm an educator full-time, part-time. I moonlight as a, um underwear model in Switzerland online. I don't know so, how my next guest going to follow that, but... <laughs> yeah, it will follow Help me up with an that agent. One. That sounds like something I want to do with my, fr- with my spare time. <laughs> yeah, so it's Malcolm um, from St. Croix. Some people know me as Lanky, some know me as Lank, some know me as Lankers. It depends on... You know what circle you in, but um, 27 year old engineer, not married, very single. <laughs> um, How single in, is um, very single? Know, yeah, what's very single? <laughs> very single is very single. Like, is very, very single very like single. looking for a wife or enjoying being oh, single? Yeah, yeah. Both. <laughs> Both. You know, okay. you know, yeah, you know, she, she happened to pop up. And okay, ladies, up. you hear that. You know, because... <laughs> all right, all right. I don't take this for this episode. I'm done, but, <laughs> no, it's I not. appreciate you guys inviting me. Lanky yeah. inbox will be lanky inbox will be lighting up. Yeah, now. The inbox. <laughs> Do not email us. We are not pushing you guys yeah. to lanky, but we'll provide his social media handle yeah, like, so you guys can oh, do your wow, own work. Wow. Thank you guys so much for being here. He'll be tagged on this episode, so make sure you know you yeah. use that. Don't email beautiful people podcast. Yeah, we're I, not. I, I gonna run you. Just... We're not doing it. And hey, Isa will run y'all. Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. Like, we're very excited. Hey, Isa knows how excited I am. Like, I I think all of us were excited. Like leading up to the episode, we were like, "Yo, I hyped for this already." Yeah. Like, and then you know the thing thing happened again, and we got even more hype. So this is a necessary episode to say the least. Definitely. So, um, I think the question I want to start with, or the topic I want to start with, is to ask both of you guys: um, Do you feel, as a man, you're allowed to be vulnerable or sensitive or emotional in the way that we are? I I think that I think that the answer to that question changes depending on your age range. Definitely, when we were, when we were younger, no, younger as in our teenage stage, preteens even in early adulthood, I could say at this point at 24 years old, and maybe even just, maybe it's the changing of the times, um, we're able to show a lot more vulnerability. We're even encouraged at this stage to do things like therapy, to 
be a little bit more outspoken on social media and stuff like that. Maybe not in the same way as women are because, you know, you still kind of have that stigma of being uh, a crybaby or you can't be too emotional. But at the end of the day, I think that Foster just kind of described the things that we feel in our most vulnerable stages. I think the floor is a little bit more open than before. Yeah, just to piggyback off of that, I I honestly feel it's a more of a generational thing too. You know, as our generation, the younger millennials going into this next generation or whatnot, it's been a lot easier for us to be more open. Um, I feel like the older generations are still in that mindset of, you know, men are not supposed to cry, boys are tough, you know, that stuff. So we're still playing catch up right now um, to kind of catch up with women and being vulnerable and being able to express ourselves. But I think over time, we've made a, a lot of leeway and, you know, the gap is smaller, but, you know, it's still not on the same level as women. Definitely generational because, you know, people older than me, parents, grandparents and stuff, they still have that older mindset. And it's sometimes it's hard for me to even express myself to them. But, you know, when it comes to my friends and people in my generation, it's a lot easier to do it because we kind of understand each other. I agree, like, wholeheartedly. Um, I mean, obviously, because the generation before us feel that way, it's safe to say that you guys were essentially taught and told at a young age, don't cry, boys don't cry. Right. Um, I've ever heard it, but the thing about me, I, I, okay. So this is a big disclaimer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak for men. <laughs> I am going yeah, to... we're not asking you to. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, okay, we're not... cool. No, I'm speaking. Yeah. To, that was a direct right. question to you guys. Like when you were little and you would cry, if something happened and you would cry about something, whether you cut the yourself or were you told not to cry as children? The, the thing is, I just super weird. The person that you see in front of you right now with our type of hair on my face and stuff is the same person I was as a little boy mm-hmm. and that person isn't I am I am extremely open mm-hmm. you could ask me anything I'll answer anything but when I feel stuff I just I don't express them in the same way so crying is something I've done very seldomly even when I was a little boy so I really don't even ever remember being told don't cry because you're a boy or boys don't cry. I've never heard that phrase, but I do know that that type of sentiment was um, put out there by the generation prior to mine to my parents, most most definitely. See, for me, it's the opposite. I was a crybaby. I used to cry for every single thing. Like, I, I was at, like really competitive too. So like if I would lose a game of Uno, I would get really upset. I would probably cry. And I'd be like, you always crying. You soft, you soft. But that's just how I used to express myself, you know? Um, and I wouldn't say like parents or anything where like, oh, boys don't cry. But just the people around me at the time felt like, like you know, you, you crying for everything. You are cry baby and whatnot. But that's just how I used to express myself growing up. You know, when I'm passionate about something, let it be a game of Uno that I just lose or play a game of basketball and I just lose, I might cry because I don't like to lose. But, you know, in situations where I, I might have gotten hurt, like cut myself or something like that, crying, nobody would be like, oh, because they understand pain, you're going to cry. But in certain situations, um, like I, like losing a game or something where I would cry, people would definitely break it up. You know what I found interesting, though? As as I think back right now, crying and showing that that particular version of vulnerability was frowned upon. But you know, I was champion anger. So when boys will get angry and aggressive, that's some stuff that's like, yeah, he hard, he's a man, he's growing up. 
um, you know, just the wanting to fight and tussle to settle disagreements and stuff like that. That was definitely encouraged by by the folks that um, kind of preceded us. And I, I sometimes try to rationalize the things that were probably detrimental to us. I'm, I always try to kind of fit the pieces together. And I feel like that that's just kind of part of survival. So if my predecessors had to be more aggressive and more angry and not be as vulnerable to survive, then all they know is to pass that on to us in hopes that we survive in the same way. But as the world changes and we have to adapt and kind of circumvent all those different things that we learn and unlearn and relearn different things, I think the, the time and place of, of where we are now as a society, like Lanky said, it creates a bigger space for us to be more vulnerable for yeah i i definitely agree that people just you know you you're only what you've learned and what's been shown to you and what you've grown up around so you know sometimes i used to find myself getting frustrated like oh my god you know like i don't understand why this man won't just be vulnerable with me why he won't just talk about his problems or, or why it is that's that's going on with him but i really had to like sit back and learn that as interesting as my childhood was, I was still given space to express myself however I needed to emotionally. Whereas, for example, my brother, I think if my brother had come to my parents crying or anything, you know, they would have probably told him to man up. They would have probably told him, like, you know, that's not something a man to do. And it's like, what what do you mean? Like, if, if man wasn't meant to cry, if y'all wasn't meant to express emotions, then why do you have them? Like, why would you, you know? But you you make imperfect sense. That's just the way people are raised. And our parents only know to teach us what was taught to them. Um, so question for you guys. Have you ever been, um, I guess, confronted by somebody who believes the opposite, like believes that men shouldn't be sensitive or shouldn't express their emotions? Like um, I saw a post on Facebook the other day with a woman saying that it's a turn off for her when men are sensitive and when they're vulnerable. And I was just like, well, that's bullshit. Like, I didn't agree with it at all, but I'm seeing now that some men feel like they can't do certain things because there are people like that who disagree with it. Yeah, I'd say um, I've definitely seen that rhetoric across social media a lot. Um, just women saying that, you know, men that are expressing themselves or, you know, are too vulnerable or soft or they, they, they're too woman-like or whatnot. Um, in my personal life, I don't think I've encountered it directly. Um, like I said, I've seen the rhetoric a lot. And it's and as an adult now, it's just kind of like, you know, I don't really pay mind to it. You know, usually those people have their own problems going on, and that's why they feel a certain way. Um, but at a point in my life, I remember being really emotional about a girl. I don't call no names or anything, but I was really, like, you know, sad about that situation. And somebody told me, you don't need to be crying over a woman or something like that. I wasn't crying, but I was just like, you know, and that at that moment, I felt like my ability to express myself changed. Like I was fearful of expressing myself after that moment. It didn't take me to like probably the last, within the last five years to really get over that. Like anytime I was like, you know, sad about a woman in my head, I'd be like, nah, you can't, you don't need to be sad over a woman. Man, don't be sad over a woman. That's not how you're supposed to be. And that that stayed with me. This was like probably I'd say probably around high school, early college that this happened. Um, and then that stayed with me till you know, like I said, probably within the last two three years, I've been going to therapy and stuff like that. So 
when you encounter that stuff, it kind of stays with you sometimes. And it, you know, everybody deals with certain stuff like that in a different way. But now when I see it, that rhetoric is just like, you know, I know that person might have a personal experience or something that might traumatize them and they, their view on this is not the same and is not as open-minded as others. So I kind of just like, you know, push it to the side or whatnot. What, I want to ask, because I, I think I missed it. Was this person older than you or was it one of your peers, like one of your friends? Oh, they were older than me. They were older. Um, yeah. And I asked that because I really have questions about, do you guys talk to each other? Like you and your friends, do you guys talk to each other about what you're going through? Because me and Harry, I talked about this on a previous episode. Like we feel like women, we run to each other when we're going through stuff. We, we talk to each other about what's hurting us, about what we need. Do you guys do that? Were you taught or encouraged to do it growing up? Or at least is it a part of your life now? I've been blessed to have lifelong friends. Most of my friends, we've known each other for over 20, 25 years. And um, we definitely come to each other now. You have certain people you could go to with certain things. So one of my partner, they might be able to go and say, well, yeah, man, it's about this girl and such and such and such. And I might get some fairly sound advice. I go to my next partner and he definitely say what well, Lanky just said, like, hey man, we'll be crying over these girl, man. They will have others. The next one will come. So like, I think, I think for me, I've been blessed to have friends where I could go to them and talk about anything, any, 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 anything. One of my friends, I ain't gonna put his name out there. He had a STD scare and he was like, man, Dre, I don't know how to go about this, but come to the doctor with me. We went to the doctor together. We get tested together. And like, there was no type of stigma around it at that time. At that point, I was in my 20s, in my early 20s. For us, it wasn't a big deal. For somebody else, though, if he went to somebody else and, and I said that they probably wouldn't have gone with him, they probably would have kind of run his name through the streets and stuff like that. But I've been very blessed with my friends we definitely have been speaking about everything under the sun and we continue to do that to this day. Yeah, I agree with that. The same way, I, the, my main friends that I would go to, I've known them since I small. We, like, we grew up in the same hood together, you know? So it, it's definitely easier for me or for them to come to each other and talk about certain stuff. And just like Dre said, you have your friends that you might go to for this kind of situation. You have your friend that you might go to for this one because you know your friends. You know who's going to react in a certain way. Like I have friends. Most of my friends have been in long relationships. I know who to go to when it comes to relationships. I have friends. I have kids. I know who to talk to about if I have a situation that might involve a kid or a woman with a kid or something like that. So, you know, it, it just really depends. But I could say that I have, I'm grateful and, you know, glad that I have friends that I could count on that if I come to them about a certain situation, they know. They know me. They know how I am. So they know how to react. And we know how to have a conversation as, as adults and, you know, kind of get through whatever situation. So do y'all ever feel like there's, like, a level of transparency that you could have with your friends? So let me not say transparency, because I feel like men, for the most part, can be, you know, honest with their friends. I don't think that's ever an issue. But I think when it comes to being, I guess, vulnerable, vulnerable or emotional, sometimes I notice, at least, you know, in in my situation or, or seeing my fiance with his friends, like y'all joke about a lot of stuff as a sort of response for vulnerability. Like 
this dude was in the emergency room a couple of weeks ago tell his boys and his boys was like yo what the fuck wrong with you like like it was hilarious everybody just was like cracking up and i'm just like this man was in the hospital like if this were me and my friends i'd have been like oh my god are you okay yeah but, we would be like planning like girls will get together and be like okay i'm gonna cook her some meals for the right. next week i'm gonna go run her errands like <laughs> do you guys do that for each other the thing is though right you need you need that break in the emotional state for jokes. Jokes time is the best thing to pick you up, at least for me. So yeah, you might feel a different type of way when they're gone, but for the most part, that jokes time and being around the people that you really care about, not just people who you might associate with and like they don't have that level of, of trust to be joking like that. But like, if your friends, listen, and I ain't gonna use the F word here, the F word that, that rhyme with maggot, right? But if that's the way that we use to greet each other. Like that's the way we know we love each other when we call each other the F word that rhymes with maggot, you know? And not to say that that happens now, I'm a very different man. But back in the 90s, and back when stuff like that were cool, like, like that's, that's just, we insult each other to show our love. And, and I think that, I think that it's indirectly taught to us like, I call my wife my boy. I, I call my wife my boy. When she tells me something crazy, I tell her, hey, your mother. Because I love her. And that's the way how I, that's how I was raised to show love to people that I really care about. She's my friend. So more than my wife, I treat her as my friend as well. And that's just kind of, I, I feel like we need that. At least I need that. Yeah, I, I, I don't need my friends consoling me on that emotional level like that like i i when something happened i need jokes i need you to like make fun of me you know like that's why that's why i have them for you know like right right now i single so maybe i need to get a woman to give me that other emotional side because i i probably would feel more comfortable getting that emotional side but if my friends come to me on some emotional reaction to something i'm going to i might look at it like the man what are you doing my boy like like come on the man this is joke thing so I have to ask, because I think that's what we're getting at is, okay, if you gain a lot from your boys, where do you get the emotional, where do you get the support when you need it? Like, where do you guys turn to? I know Andre, obviously, turned into your wife. Shout out to that. Malcolm, where do you get your emotional support? Where do you go when you need a hug? <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, it, it comes to a point where they would understand if I really, like, like, they ain't gonna just watch me break down and cry and ball and just be like, make you stupid. Like, you know, it, it, there's a balance, there's a line. Um, so I still could get that from them. And they, they've they known me for so long that they understand, like, when I'm at that point. And I understand when they're at that point, where it's switch, where, like, okay, this ain't no joke, time. And I still getting this same kind of thing from my mother, my sister. I have family members, like, count on as well. You know, so even though I don't have a woman, you know, like, I could still get it in other places and still get it from my friends when it's really necessary. On a serious note, Tudo, I think that we definitely traumatize to the sense that in the event of death, there's a lot more physical uh, connections between men. Definitely more crime, obviously. And I think that we may even just kind of view everything else as subpar or not requiring that, that emotional response or that consolement. Because when death happens, that's final all which is strange enough sports, right? So the, 
the um the explosion of emotion in those two arenas and maybe there's more that I just can't think of right now. Everything else is is below that. So with the jokes that come out and you know you just might be in a funk because of a of a girl or because of work or something like that and, and your friends like hey, everything all right I know our response is usually yeah man all right everything will be okay. And for people that for people like myself that kind of just figure things out on their own I don't need a hug. I don't need words of encouragement. I need to figure something out. And if there's nothing that I could figure out, then I'd leave leave whatever happened run its course. Because that's just kind of how life is. That's that that kind of like, you know, having those friends and you know, like we mentioned, like going to each friend for something different. That's kind of the reason why I end up like seeking therapy was because there was still that small little group of stuff that I wasn't telling them and I needed to tell somebody. And once I found that outlet to tell that, then everything just, you know, became whole again because now I ain't keeping nothing in because I have the stuff that my friends gain, I have the stuff my family gain, and now I have the little tiny stuff that I might not want to tell nobody that this person gain. They might not be consoling me, but just my ability to get that off my chest was that consoling that I needed. So what happens like for example, you know, Malcolm, your outlet was was therapy. Like, what happens when there are those things that's not a death, that's not a funeral or, or you know, a sports game where you allow that emotion to come out? Um, Andrea, I know you, you said for you, you don't need that type of consolation. You don't need that, like, emotional well-being. But, like, is there ever a space in those friendships where you kind of open up on that side without allowing it to build up first like do y'all think that's a problem that you like get to that point where it's like okay now i need therapy to be this outlet no i would say like when i was younger it was harder for me to open up like that now i am big on like communicating whether it be relationships friends family or whatnot if you just have to if something bothering you let me know if something bothering this situation you know let me know like it's just being able to communicate and communicate how you feel at your time. Because I ain't going to rush nobody. You're going through whatever you're going through. I ain't going to force you to come out. Like, I've had friends that have been going through certain situations. And I know they're going through certain situations. But I ain't going to press them all the time. Because I know they're going to let me know what's going on and their timing. So, it's just kind of understanding the people you are with, the people you're around. And knowing and trusting that they're going to let you know how they feel when they feel comfortable doing that. You know, I I want to touch on something that um, Dre made reference to earlier. And it sounds like you're very resolution focused. And I say that because I'm only recently like learning to embrace emotions, um, especially like when I was a teenager and in my young adulthood, I would always be compared. I mean, I'm still in my young adulthood, let's be clear, but <laughs> I would always be compared to a man because I've never been a very emotional person. Like when I'm going through something, I tend to retreat. Like I'm going to do my crying in the shower. I'm going to do my crying in private. Um, and I would tend, <laughs> I am not an emotional person. I'm recently learning to embrace my emotions. Um, and it's something that my therapist and I are working avidly toward because she, she said to me flat out in one of my sessions, Deidre, you do not know what to do with emotions. 
and it is okay to be emotional. Like I don't cry. Like I cry in private. Like I'm usually the person in the friend group who's like, come, let me give you a hug. Like I can help everybody with their emotions, but I have no idea what to do with mine. So I'm learning how to do that. And I'm learning how to be more vulnerable. So this episode is low key for all of us. <laughs> not just a but um, I feel like that's why I keep asking those questions. Because these are the questions my therapist would ask. This, these are the questions some of my friends would ask. Like, Deidre, what do you do when you just need a hug? And I'm like, I don't be needing hugs. <laughs> like, I be needed to solve this problem. Like, I always find myself, and I've come off as cold in past relationships because there would be something we're going through. And I'm like, okay, now I know what has been done wrong. I won't do it again. Like, let's move on. As opposed to just sitting and expressing how we feel and just living in our emotions. I'm just like, okay, you told me how you feel. I know what I did wrong. I ain't doing it no more. Let's move on. That was always my response to stuff. (laughs) So how do y'all work through that with a partner who sort of equates your ability to be vulnerable with them as you're caring about them? I think a lot of people don't understand that everybody expresses their emotions or processes problems differently. I know I had an issue with it in the beginning. Like I felt like if a person wasn't expressing themselves to me or open with me, then the issue was me and not how that person was processing things. And it actually took me going to therapy and my therapist saying like, you have an issue of processing your emotions in a certain way. And I was like, Oh, okay. Everyone's different. Like, (laughs) So how did y'all, I guess, get through that well with a partner if you've ever had that problem? Well, my, like, Ollie and my wife and I is dating. She's from St. Croix. Um, I always say that St. Croix folks are very passionate. That's a, that's a positive word for, for what I really want to say. But in her passion, right, anytime we'd get into something, she would get real you know what i would say that she would be yelling and then she'd look at me like you want me to yell and it's like dude if i ain't talking to you like a crazy person don't talk to me like a crazy person we sitting on here trying to have a conversation but here's the thing she viewed my lack of uh, i guess the, the the explosive expressiveness as i don't care as much as she does right and going back to just kind of being taught certain things, not that she said this, but I've heard multiple times, like, if you don't feel like killing the person that you're with, then you don't love them. And that's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. So it, the, the kind of balance that we found was based off of us understanding that in any situation that's happening in our relationship, we're on the same team. So I, I'll credit the Casey crew for this. They said that in arguments, you shouldn't look to win because if you're on the same team and I win and a person lose, the team loses. So at the end of the day, our balance, we're still trying to find a balance because she is also still very expressive and not just particularly in arguments, but she tells me, man, sometimes I need you to know that I need a hug. And my vibe is like, dude, just, just tell me. But of course, women like for us to... Um, do the whole Professor X read my mind thing. So it's still, I think it's always something that's going to be for me and her that we're constantly working towards our middle ground and balance. And I think just personally, people in in in, in relationships, we're selfish. And we kind of, not that we have to be, but is human to be selfish. That's a survival mechanism. And, and love in itself is selfless. So 
the understanding of trying to navigate through what we definitely want for ourselves, but what we should be selfless and giving to our partners. I think that's the place where uh, I focus on a lot and we all should focus on a lot whenever meeting somebody or dealing with somebody with that different type of uh, emotional mentality. And, and I don't even want to say maturity because even though I don't cry and I don't need hugs, I don't think that that's a terrible thing because I do express myself very verbally. I let you know exactly what's happening. And I think that as a, a part of emotional maturity on the other side for people who just kind of blow up and explode and cry, that they also need to learn to gather their emotions and verbalize or at least try to verbalize the things that they're going through. So it's all, no, no, no side black or white is perfect. Yeah, I am. Um... I think the best thing I've ever learned in terms of relationship advice, one was the minute you start keeping score, your relationship is doomed. So if you feel like your partner didn't te- you know, handle you emotionally the way you wanted them to in comparison to how you don't handle them emotionally, like you literally are contributing to your relationship falling apart. The second thing was a lot of us and women, you're going to get mad at me, especially us, we expect our partner to come in and sort of know our cues and know how to handle us and know how to take care of us emotionally. When, if we look in our lifetime, so I'm 27. I met my fiance five years ago. I've been with him for five years, right? Five years in terms of knowing a person and getting to know them and understanding who they are. Exactly. is a really like small period of time. Like, if your parents have known you since but and they still really don't know shit about you, why would you expect a partner who just show up to know everything? And I think in regards to men, so we probably going to have to switch to the double standard conversation. But I feel like when it comes to men, a lot of women expect men to know our emotional cues, to know how to handle us, to know how to take care of our problems. Whereas when men have problems, when they need us to take care of them in terms of their vulnerability. I feel like we don't know shit, honestly. <laughs> like I was lost in my relationship. Like, how do I take care of this person when he emotional? Cause I didn't know how to process that. But when I was emotional, I was like, I need you to do this. Like it, it was messed I want to ask about that. Do you think that that comes with us not properly courting each other? Because like, I find that maybe we, and I'm not saying that you and Steven rushed into a relationship by any means, but I know my last relationship failed. Um, you know what? It didn't fail. We just didn't work out anymore, you know? And that's okay. Cause we still love each other. Like we're still very important to each other, you know, but a lot of what you just described is what happened. And that was the breakdown, us not properly telling the other what we needed, like emotionally, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, maybe if we took more time to just ask each other basic questions, like, Hey, what do you need when you're in a bad mood? What causes you to be in a bad mood? What if we took the time to really just kind of learn each other rather than just, you're my partner now, and then we just expect our partner to know everything? Like, I, but I, f- I feel like it's more than asking. Like, you can ask your partner all the questions you want. It's, are you going to be okay with the answer they give you? Because, and that's why you should ask, though. No? Yeah, like, because... 
yeah, you you should ask, but you have to be willing to take what and whatever answer they exactly. give and accept it. Because for example, yeah. if if I was a highly emotional person and I was dating, let's say Malcolm, who you know he don't no who was it that said they don't need a hug? It was you, Andre. Like he said, he don't need a hug in those situations. He needs to process things in a logical manner and work it out and whatever. If he had told me that in that conversation. And I decided, no, I want to hug you and I want to do this to help you process your stuff. Then that's on me. That's not on coaching or us having the conversation. We had the conversation. The thing is, I have a lot of things. I think this is a whole separate podcast, right? But we don't, one, in the Virgin Islands, we don't date. And even in the sense of us expressing that this is us getting to know each other, you women are just want to jump men bones, man. I've been in multiple scenarios, multiple scenarios. I have to stop myself. I have to stop myself. Look, I dating. I don't want anything serious. We don't even have to be physical. We could go out. We could hang out. We could talk or whatever. And I feel like the more I try not to have sex with these people, the more these people want to have sex with me. And then we have sex. And then I, so I'm, I don't know if you watch Insecure, right? But I am much like Lawrence after him and Issa broke up for the first time. He's a nice guy. He treats women with respect. He courts them. He takes good care of them. But he doesn't really want to be with them. So they feel, they, they call it getting the girlfriend treatment and then not the girlfriend. So what do you want me to do? You want me to be an asshole and just fuck you? I could, I can't do that because I'm not that person. So, sorry, going back to, going back to the, going back to the initial thing. Even if we 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 don't date, and even if we do date, we do have to make sure. I, I tell single people this all the time. You want to make sure words and actions match. A lot of people say a lot of things, and and they say actions speak louder than words. They do, but actions can also be misinterpreted. So I think that if if words and actions don't match, then you just kind of skate out of that situation. And like Deja said, there's, there's, there might be situations that don't work out, but that's, that's kind of for the best and it's okay. Andrea, everything you said is right. However, I'm going to defend the ladies here and just tell you that we were raised to expect partnerships, relationships. That's just because that's a big part of why my last relationship failed. I was 20, 21 when we first got together and he was very much like, let's not rush. Let's just take our time and get to know each other. And I'm like, we are romantic with each other. We like each other. Use my man, period. Like it was in a discussion and he was like, okay. And we spent six years going through those tug of wars and like those fights. And now that I'm grown, I came to realize, okay, I rushed into that because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Because my whole life I was told, when you like a man and he like you, that's your man, <laughs> you know? On top of that, though, we're raised and we're told you have to be this material so that a man could do blah, 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 right? Exactly. So we spend every single relationship we get in or every single situation we get in, we spend a lot of that initial time, like, let me make myself the, the ideal partner for person this person. Need. Yeah. And a lot of the time, I can be honest with you, I used to be one of those people who was like, okay, we having sex. We, we I, I think I like you. It seemed like you like me. Why isn't She's this going further? Yeah, why isn't this <laughs> going further? And it took me getting older to realize, one, these men don't owe you shit just because you... Ha- and then two, you can have a perfectly sexual relationship without having to be in a relationship. It took me a long time for that to be like, light bulb, click. Yeah. But and for you know a lot of women... 
it doesn't click and then they blame men they blame, for, mm-hmm. for already having that understanding but y'all get that understanding a lot all the other you're taught that that's what you're taught is to just enjoy the moment and like me once my last relationship ended i was like okay this relationship thing not for me not doing it and then i would date people here and there i make it very clear i was very much a lawrence uh sir this is not a relationship i don't want that we're just having fun and i wasn't really and there was one guy who really wanted more and we just had to end it because it was like but deidre we like each other he was very much me when i was 20 and i'm like sir this is not what we came here for. Like, I am not looking for a relationship. When I'm looking for a relationship, I'll let you know. And when we do this romantic stuff, we'll go from there. But, you know, like you said, that's a whole different episode. <laughs> no, but, I, let, but I, let me I, yeah. let me ask the guys, though. I over here like, man. <laughs> oh, you poor Malcolm, sorry. But do you guys ever feel like, in terms of double standards, do y'all feel like y'all catch the heat a lot of the time for those situations not going well versus, you know, maybe it's women not understanding or maybe it's this, like, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I would definitely say is a, like the double standard is like the worst. Cause like, no matter what happened, it's our fault. And it's like, oh, you didn't communicate, but you gotta understand communication is a two way type of thing. Like, you know, if you communicate this way and I communicate that way, like we're pulling in two opposite directions, both of us going in the wrong direction. Like we, you have to understand the people in your life, in whatever relationship you're in that like, hey, you communicate this way. I might be more laid back. Like Jay said, he more laid back, his wife more expressive. They have to find that common ground, that balance where both of them could communicate effectively so that, you know, you win, I win situations coming up constantly is no we win okay we both understand we might disagree but we both understand where each other coming from and that's the biggest thing just that understanding that you have because them double standards are just that's why i say look to be honest you know it, i always have that break in communication between me and this woman she wanted this i wanted that and it's like oh i'm the dog i'm a asshole i mean it's like but you don't think about the stuff that you do to make me react in this way or, you know, your part in this part is it's not just a one-way street, it's a two-way street. We have to understand each other and understand how we communicate with each other. Um, I want to say this. Women are incredible. I, As a man, I, I don't think I have the strength to be a woman. But I do think that the double standards conversation works in favor of women a lot more than they think. I know there's a whole wage gap and all of that stuff. I, I don't take none of that stuff lightly, but a double standard conversation that works so much more for you than, than you think. You could go outside and never have to spend money ever in your life. You could be a housewife and it'd be okay. I can't be a house husband, even though that might be what God made me to do, right? Hey guys, by the way, I'm up. looking for a house husband, just saying. <laughs> Well, man, sorry, Deidre, you, you have 10 years too late, but the, like, but this, this, this is the way I'm saying, like, I'm not, not, I'm not a homosexual, I'm not bisexual, but men can't be bisexual. Um, and then you, you, you just kind of have all of the things that men have to do, which is fair if women have to do the opposite. This is, this is an example. There was a picture on social media a few years ago, and I shared it, it showed up in my memories the other day. It had a man and a woman walking on the side of the road. The woman was walking closer to the road 
the man was walking closer to the buildings and they asked, what's wrong with this picture? And of course, what's wrong with the picture is that a man ain't standing on the side of the road that's closest to the cars, right? So if we have to risk our life for you every single day, I my, my wife meet me, right? And I had my side of the bed in my mother house. When my wife used to come over at my time, at the time my girlfriend used to come over, she used to take my side of the bed saying that I have to sleep closer to the door because if somebody busts in the door, I have to get killed for some type of nonsense like that. Now, if that's the dub, if that's something that I have to do, then that, mean, that means that women have to do something else. And I think a lot of times women want for us to be chivalrous, which is fine. And they want for us to get hit from the car force on the side of the road. And they want for us to be murdered for us if somebody busts through the door. And we have to be, we have to take care of the car stuff and the, the, the gross stuff and the lifting stuff. But then if a man says, well, a woman should cook and clean, which I don't believe in gender roles. But if a man says that, then it's like, oh, well, I don't have to do anything like that. So why must, why, why is it a must that men have to do X, Y, Z? But when men say women have to do X, Y, Z, there's no, there's no type of balance. And just, just one thing, like we, this double standards thing could go down a barrel and go down a hole that just could go crazy. <laughs> but I would, I would say this one thing I always, thought about this because this happens a lot it's been happening a lot more recently that you know a, a picture or a video on social media would pop up with a woman proposing to a man and the place would just go crazy like woman would just be like this woman is insane why would she do that why why like she don't have no self-respect they would go so crazy and i'd be like so this you pick and choose what like you know misogynistic um uh, um, double standards and stuff you want to keep that marriage thing and that game don't I want me that's only a man could do that in no way a woman could do that and it's just like it's always funny that like we choose and we pick whatever suits our life best you know that when it comes to double standards it's like oh I, I prefer it this way I want my man to provide for me you know and then you have some women that don't like that and then you have some women that might be comfortable uh, with proposing to a man but you know, it's just that we tend to choose the double standards that fit our life and our narrative more. And it's just like me, I, I just, I was still propose to my woman. Dude, listening to his wife, I got you. Dude, the worst one. And this is no offense to anybody with anybody type. Women would dead say that they wouldn't date a man underneath a certain height level, or they wouldn't date a man with a certain size penis, or if he ain't circumcised and that type of stuff, right? The second a man start talking about his preference in a body type, is like, oh, you need to accept accept me for who I am. Oh, you you shallow, yada yada yada. Why my penis can't be uncircumcised? That's how it come. It come out of package just like that. Somebody else had to go cut their dicker. My dick, well, I circumcised. But if my dicker come out of package like that, why is it we can't be together? I'm a nice person. I give you gifts, I take you out, but I get a little bit of skin on my meat. So now I have to get a shitty end of the stick. But now if I turn around and say, if I turn around and say, oh, well, you don't meet my, my weight requirement or your feet too large for me, then it's like, ah, 
Eh, blah, blah, blah. That's that's the bottom. But women are incredible. Women are awesome. I do want to say that. Can I, I don't just want say to... one thing? I just want Aya to know that Deidre and I are muted, but we over here crying, laughing, you know, like literally cracking up, but we were muted. Just so you know. Go ahead, Deidre. <laughs> okay, first of all, let me just say one thing. There are tons of women who have the same argument as you, drink. I think what it does come down to, though, is there are just groups of people in both sexes, gender identities, whatever, that are low-key trash. Because there's a whole population of men who feel like my woman have to look this way, she gotta look that way, she can't be this height, but he look like a potato. Like, that exists. But, you know, that's another topic for another day, just saying. But I, you're right. I think, I, yeah, I think he made some solid points, He made though, some because solid points, because that is the fact. The and truth is, a, list episode. yeah, and, and a lot of us women are unwilling to, you know, change our standards in terms of the roles we expect of men, mm-hmm. but we want gender roles to be fluid when it comes to us. Right. Like, I, I, and I definitely want to ask you guys about this too. So in the beginnings of my relationship, I noticed that my partner was under like this, I don't want to say invisible pressure, but just like this pressure to take care of me. And he had to make sure he had a successful job and make sure he do this and make sure he do that because he was like, one day I gonna have a family and I gonna have a wife and I have to do this and be in this place. And I was like, okay, but what if you don't want that? What if you don't want to take care of nobody? Like, or what if your partner, me, don't need you to take care of them? He was like, no, that's what's expected of me. But I was like, but I'm not asking you to take care of me. And he's like, it don't matter what you're asking me. So in that moment, I realized like it didn't matter if I was literally saying, I don't need you to pay for nothing for me. I could. His societal role or like the, the expectations of what y'all are supposed to do was what was pressuring him and stressing him out. So like, can y'all talk about like that experience in your life? Like, have you been in that place where you feel like you have to get a certain place in life just to take care of a woman or a family? I would say that I'm in a place right now. So I like I I struggle with that right now. Cause in my head, you know, we at a time where women are just as successful. You know, there's still like that, but you know, a lot of women are making a lot more than men, you know. If there's not as much pressure as it was back in the day because women are working and they do what they need to do, but you know, I I struggle with it. Like I like it it just to burn my soul when a woman tried to pay for something when we out and it's just like you know like it. I know it's the wrong thing to do. You know like you know if she wanted to get you know every now and then you know let she do it, but just that's I don't know if it's just something built in me and how I was raised and how you know just the people around me and the men around me, how they would take care of the women and stuff like that. You know, me like no woman take advantage of me and treated me like no Johnny or anything like that. But, you know, at some point it's just, I feel like I have to do that. Like I have to, you know, be successful. I have to make sure I doing what I want to do and doing it well and making this money and being secure and having a job and doing everything in life. Because one day I might want a family and I want to be able to take care of that family. And I don't want a next man to, Take care of my family. Even though the woman might do it, in my head I thinking, oh, next man gonna come in and he come take care of my kids and my ex-wife or ex-girlfriend or something like that. So I just in me, it just built, and I don't know. It's just a struggle I have to this day that I have to be and I have to prove myself and I have to do what I have to do for that long-term family, you know, wife, kids stuff. But yeah, it's a struggle for me. It's been a struggle for me, like forever. I've never felt like that. I've always felt actually at my First day with Nina, I told her, like, I don't feel like people should have to complete each other. I feel like, I mean, I don't think 
anyone is ever complete. Uh, I'm a I'm a educator and I'm a nerd, so like I think about uh, self actualization and how that's just something we continue to build towards, but never get there. But I told her that two quote unquote complete people should come together to complement each other. And I do want to take care of my family, but I also want my wife to help take care of me. We take care of each other, right? And I know we're talking earlier about being a house husband and that's, that might be still in the cards if she strike rich, but let's say she don't strike rich, right? At the end of the day, I saw my mom work all her life. Not that I want to have to work or have to have Nina work all our lives until we pass out. But at the end of the day, I found strength in a woman through my mom. And all of the things that she did, she's also, I've never seen her cry. Um, I've never seen her break down to the point where things were very dismal. And being an adult now, I could imagine things that happened with her that she never let me see. And not to say that, that she shouldn't have, because I would have actually appreciated that. But at the end of the day, just going into what I look for in a partner, I look for independence first. If I have to take care of you, I don't want you. You're not my child, you know? And not to say that Lanky, there's anything wrong with your perspective because that's one of the things that creates a man, being able to protect and provide, um, being able to, to, to be the head, the quote unquote head of the household. That's some stuff I also don't believe in. Um, I, I feel like there's just a, a better balance in two people coming together to complement each other rather than the leading and following architect. And I agree with everything you just said, but that's why I'm saying it's like on my end, it's like, because I know I don't want, in my head, I know I don't want a woman to have to depend on me for every single thing. Like, I don't want that at all. I love an independent woman. But even just in the back of my mind, you know, even though I know she could do it, I just feel like I should be doing it. And that's why I struggle with the most. Would you say that's an ego thing? Oh, definitely. Definitely an ego thing. And that's something I, I'm working on as I get older. I, you know, try to understand the type of woman I'm looking for and whatnot. Because like I said, I love the, I love women that grinding, doing this, doing, you know, strong, don't need a man. But when, it, when I get into that situation, I end up, you know, trying I might be trying a little too hard to be you know because my mindset is that old school type of mindset so in my head I feel like I have to do this and most of the time I don't because the woman I'm dating don't really need me like they're gonna their own some some advice to a single man whoever it is you gain to the man just leave it flow don't put an extra pressure on yourself at the end of the day all of us doing this human thing for the first time Unless we, unless we're not, but even if so, we're not conscious of it, right? So you kind of have to leave space for yourself to be wrong. Sometimes you have to leave space for yourself to be open to different things, and don't put too much pressure on yourself to just keep getting it right and perfect all the time because we never will. So in the in the case of you meeting a woman, I I feel the same way. If I invite you on a date, you're not paying. It's me that's taking you out. Now if you're taking me out, you better open a wallet. But in in the other part of in the other part of how success and how shine shouldn't outshine yours because as a unit both of you guys shining together man and I and as far as relationships go once again to try to outdo each other is to 
be counterproductive to the idea of being together is is two becomes one and and like we got we got our stimulus check the other day she do have twelve hundred dollars and i have twelve hundred dollars we have twenty four hundred dollars you know so it's for me i think to if i if you are single and looking for somebody i feel like you should never try to outdo that person man that's some stuff that you will never win yeah and and what's one more point like I, it's just part of me, and I'm just a nurturer, a giver. Like I don't need to receive. Like my um my love language, I just find out about my love language not too long ago. But acts of service is my Look love. Is one of my love like top one, you know. Like hey, you know, I train, man. I train to be a better man. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> just understanding that, and that's how I've always been. Like I would give, like I would give, I would do something for you. You. You brought down inside the road. You, my boy, something happened. I can come. Like I've always been that. So in my mind, I'm just such a nurturer, caregiver. That I did, you know, I just want to do it. But I know I have to step back sometimes mm-hmm. and let other people do for me. And kind of, you know, like you say, have that balance. You know, like in that I have twelve hundred dollars, you have twelve hundred dollars. We have twenty four hundred dollars mm-hmm. collective. So that understanding is something that I still learning, and you know, that's something that I'm willing to work on. Um, because again, like, you know what I'm saying? I just naturally, I nurture, I care, give out just looking out for people around me. So, um, it's, it's tough for me to just let people do the same for me. And, and that's something I'm willing to, you know. Yeah, I'm loving this at. conversation so much. And, you know, I wanted to piggyback on what Andre was saying earlier, because that's something, and here's a knows this. If y'all ain't listened to the list episode, go listen. Cause I specifically said those same things to Heiza. I said, I believe heavily in coming into a partnership as a whole individual. I don't want a better half. I want myself to come as who I am, a whole complete person with whatever I have to offer. And you come as a whole complete person with whatever you have to offer. I think it's, it's, it's so important that we prioritize ourselves because we can't pour from an empty cup. So if you spend your whole life striving to be somebody's other half, then you're not yourself. You're not you. You don't have anything going for you. You know, I feel like you find a better partner for yourself when you completely focus on you, learn you, and prepare yourself to survive with or without a partner. Because I I say all the time, I'm not looking for a partner, but if one fall in my lap and this person is meant for me, I'm going to take them. (laughs) You know, I'm going to take them. And I feel like if we had more of that mindset of being individuals and learning ourselves, because when you're comfortable and content in who you are, and you meet somebody who's comfortable and content with who they are, then you have certain boundaries. That person has certain boundaries and you're okay respecting each other's boundaries. So like Malcolm specifically wants to pay for dinner. Surely there's an independent woman who's going to be okay with you paying for dinner because she's going to contribute in other ways. She's probably going to pack you a lunch every day for work or she's going to probably show up to your job every day and say, babe, we're going out to lunch and I'm paying. You know, something's going to give. Like taking care of each other in whatever way you can so everybody, everybody survives and everybody lives and everybody's happy. You know, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think, I think something important to pull from this conversation is that a lot of the times, a lot of these double standards that we're dealing with, especially when it comes to women and men in relationships is, you know, we can't just be striving to be somebody's wife because I don't want to say men need more than a wife, but like it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to come into a relationship aiming to understand the person you're in a relationship with and aiming to like, you know, 
do exactly what they need from you. Like, it's not just, oh, I need a wife and you're going to be the person who getting taken care of. Like, you need to come into the relationship wondering what your partner needs as well. Like, men need things. Emotionally, they need things from us too. And I think a lot of us just come into relationships and some, well, this is what I need as a woman and this is how I need to be taken care of. And yeah, you know, there's there's things that we need from from men, but I think enough of us aren't asking ourselves like, okay, does my male partner need me so that when he's vulnerable, he has somebody there to be vulnerable with? Like, does he need me to help him take care of his household? Like, if that is that his image of the life he wants? Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like we don't ask ourselves that question until like we're confronted with it exactly. in our relationship. And that's why I asked if we're doing enough courting and just, that's what I was just about to bring up when yeah. you meet somebody rather than just seeing the end with them you take those steps you take the one at a time one foot at a time you know like we don't have to jump straight into a relationship because you know what in that courting phase you might like them on day one but on day 20 you might be like uh, you know yeah and you supposed I, to be, I agree we're supposed to be comfortable walking away from what we're not here for you know what I mean like there's somebody you can meet today and everything just feels great and you like it. And the bet, the more you get to know them, you might realize this person and I don't really align, you know? So just yeah, maybe if we were courting more and not jumping straight into partnerships. You know what the problem is? Women do court men. And that's not a terrible thing, but let's just put everything on the table. If I am a guy a lot of women say they're not going to approach guys. Let's say a woman says that. If I approach a woman, this is now becomes a job interview, right? I need to put my best self out there to get whatever position I'm looking for or whatever position I'm looking to put her in, whichever one comes first, right? So if I am a man that's courting a woman, I'm doing everything to get to that particular goal. And then once I get to whatever that goal is, possibly not me, not Andre, but another guy, then my quote unquote true self comes out or, or whatever the case may be. Now that can work in the opposite way, but a lot of times the woman is just on the receiving end of a lot of dating scenarios. And, and she kind of takes things at face value for however good of a, a deceiver the guy is. So it's like, I think if more women kind of put themselves out there to say, hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want from you. Not to say, let me take you on a date, but let me be the aggressor in in, in just kind of putting everything on front street as to exactly what it is I want. I, I am a fond Women should shoot their shots more. Like women I'm, should shoot their shots more. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a firm believer. Let me let me say this one thing because y'all know me looking for a man, but if somebody who I feel is the right man for me come along, I'm going to tell his ass, sir. L let's try. <laughs> let's try. I think you should. I think you should ask for exactly what you want. If you not to say that you tell a person and they want, I want to marry you. But if you want marriage, that's something I would say it on day one. If if I was a dating person, if I was in a dating game right now everything will be on front street from the first date. My politics, my religion, my preferences sexually, my, my goals in life. Now, I wouldn't spell everything out. I wouldn't give them the blueprint. But I definitely say these are the things that I'm looking for. So that if this person isn't looking for it, 
then we know we don't go on a second date or we take it to whatever route we take it to, not expecting whatever the end goal is. And I think women, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, like I think as I said it, women are, I, I don't know if you're taught, but if you see a guy and you like a guy, he's attractive to you. Your thing is I have to be his, his girlfriend and I have to be his wife and all these different red flags might pop up, but you feel like you could fix it. Or you feel like, like, like you, could, you could rewire what's happening with him so that you, you could teach him how to be X, Y, Z. But if I think if women kind of reverse the role of, hey, this is what I'm looking for. These are my standards. Um, this is, this, this, I am showing you who I am. And um, I, I think a lot of that miscommunication would be helpful. No, I was just going to say, and that goes back to your original point, DJ, about dating and courting. Like, although we don't do it, when we do do it, we do it wrong a lot of the times. Like, mm -hmm. in that dating phase, you're trying to impress this person. A lot of people hide their true selves. Like yeah, their representative is take. who comes. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to do, like, what this person, like, might like. Oh, they might like this, mm -hmm. so I'm going to act like I like this because I mm -hmm. want them. So I'm going to do whatever they yep. feel like is best. So I could try to get him. And then once you pass that point and you get into the relationship, that's when you see people through colors. And then it's like, damn, why you didn't show me this on day three? Why is it day 365 and I'm learning that you Ex don't like this? Exactly. And you know oh. what? Um, like, So for one, Dre, um, yes, we are pretty much taught to look for partnerships. We're taught, we're taught at a very young age to aspire to, you know, marriage and partnership and all that jazz. But also... Like you said, people come into like a, a first date expecting a relationship to happen. And we need to just be a little more comfortable just coming into a date and not expecting. We just need to come into a relationship, not even a relationship, but a date, okay with it not possibly going well. Like if I come to, if, if me and Johnny Rocket decide we're going to go out to dinner and we, you know, we like each other but something feels off, that's okay, you know? Or even if we do like each other, I just need to not come in and just expect that we're gonna end up in a relationship. I think mm -hmm. the way courting and dating happens needs to kind of be restructured and it, things need to be more normalized where we don't just automatically expect a partnership one time. Yeah, I, I've known people that like, when they meet someone they really like, they, they start to like, just make scenarios in their head. Like, <laughs> oh, this, oh, we're going to be moving. Like, we're going to get married. This is what mm -hmm. we're going to do. We're going to live here. They make scenarios in their head and then they have these people held at this higher standard of like, you know, oh, this is a person I'm meant to be with. You don't really know this person. You don't know you them. Have, you don't know anything about them. You just need, you have to use that time, that dating, courting period to get to know these people. Because by the time you get to that point when you're ready to be in a relationship and you find it out, a, B, and C, and then it's then like, you feel like you get six four nine. You trap. You tra you feel like you trap. And a lot of people get into these situations, and then they force in this relationship, and it's mm -hmm. too late. And that goes back to the point that me Andrew was saying earlier of becoming a whole person, so that with or without somebody, you're okay. Because if you're mm -hmm. like that, if you just are okay with yourself, then the next person you meet, if it don't work out, you're not going to feel the need to force a relationship. You're not going to feel the need to force that partnership. Speaking of relationships, Lanky, let me ask you a question. This is a problem that I had, and I don't know if it's a man thing. I could never break up. Like, I've, I've only had one real relationship 
while the other different whatever ships I had, I just kind of that's a man problem. Start start becoming more distant <laughs> as as I fell out of interest or realized that I didn't want to continue. Like I never had. I'm so a, glad you bring that up. I, I didn't have I didn't have confidence in saying okay I don't want to continue this it was a, it's my definitely a flaw mate that's a flaw of all I I gonna say that's a flaw of all because I'm the same and I know plenty others the same you you would do the, all kind of things you would drift away start to go be angry for no reason you would do everything possible for next you want her to be the one to cut it off. That's plain and simple. So you do so... everything possible because you don't want to be that bad guy. But <laughs> in hindsight, you still be the bad guy. I was just having this conversation with a guy the other night because we, and we were just having a casual conversation about the fact that, and I'm speaking for myself. I was like, I would rather a dude just flat out say, "I'm not interested anymore." than to lead me on and disappear and come back and all this thing. And he said, well, you know, I just would, I, he feels like a woman would be crushed if he just decided, like, if he lose interest, he would rather just slow down on the texting and all them thing and hope that she kind of like get a message. And he would, he feels like she would be crushed if he just said, you know what, this just don't feel like, I'm just not interested anymore. And I'm like, but me speaking for myself, of course, I would rather if you just told me because me, I'm going to be okay. If me and you texting good, if me and you, we've been talking for a couple of weeks and it really feel good. And this is just me. This is a defense mechanism. The minute I notice that your patterns change, the minute I notice that me and getting as many texts as me and getting a response that I used to get, like it's one word responses. It's infrequent responses. You're responding in six hours as opposed to 20 minutes. I'm not texting you anymore. So question Because yeah. I would is rather it, you... T- uh-huh. For you, like you're okay with a man saying... This, this ain't, you know, this ain't for me. I'm not that interested anymore. But can we really say that all women are? And that's the thing. Okay not all women that. are. Not all women are. And that's why I said I'm speaking specifically for me because he was like, nah, like he's like, if he's like, wouldn't you be crushed? I said, I don't know that I would be crushed if a dude that I'm interested in told me that he don't want to talk to me no more. If I really liked him, it might hurt a little, but I'm gonna be okay. I'm going to figure out what I need to take care of myself, but I would rather him tell me than for me to be in the dark and think that we're good and we're not. Cause me, if I don't like your ass no more, I'm gonna find a way to tell you. I'm not gonna sit here and be dangling a carrot in front of your face. I'm not gonna sit on here and try to make something work that I know ain't gonna work. If I know I don't see it for you, I'm just gonna make it clear. And I wish men would be more comfortable doing that, even if you think it's gonna crush her because she will have to find a way to move on. I'm I could definitely I'm, admit. Now, saying I could definitely admit when I used to do that, I was uh, so, and I definitely have made apologies to people in my like. It's it's been years after, and it's just like you know what? I will call this person, I will text this person, and tell them I'm sorry. I think I think there's some weight in that, uh, because as I realize my wrongdoings, and you definitely can't make it right, but you don't ever want to. I personally don't, don't want people to feel like I'm the worst person in the world. Uh, but I, I make bad decisions, I make poor decisions, and own up to it, man. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm I'm much better at doing that. Like, cause you have to understand certain people and who you deal with. Because like like Jay brought up, like some people don't take that well. So you have to kind of ease into that. You know, maybe ghosting them in the right answer, but telling them straight up. Meanwhile, you know more in the right answer either. So you have to find and you have to understand the people that you're dealing with and kind of 
you know, because I don't want people to come back and bad talk my name and be like, this man right. is ah, so this man, he ain't got no heart, his heart ain't clean, me want, I don't want that to happen, <laughs> you know, because at the end of the day, I don't want to hurt anybody, daughter, I don't want to hurt no woman, I don't want to hurt, I don't want you to have this, you know, vengeance against me, and every time you see my name, or you see Mr. Lanky somewhere, you're just like, I hate this man, I don't want that. So you have to really find a way to kind of do it as gently as possible, but also not drag somebody along for weeks and months because you're too scared to be honest with it. So, so everybody here watches Insecure, right? Y'all remember last season when Nathan disappeared? Do you see what Issa was going through? Do you see how she became obsessive? Do you And spoiler alert for those who only watched the previous season, but do you guys see the process that Issa was going through where there was a moment where she felt like maybe it was something I did and she kept replaying every conversation they had. She kept thinking about all the things. I thought everything was cool. What the heck happened? That's what somebody goes through when you ghost them. You but know? What, I, what I thought was interesting in this most recent episode is the fact that they brought up the fact that Nathan was going through some like dealing with with his mental health and it kind of hit me like yo because I've had that situation I've had a friend and at the time we were talking and he just disappeared Mm -hmm. and when he disappeared I went through what Issa went through I was just like yo like what the hell did I do Mm -hmm. and then come to find out months later he was like yo I was depressed like I I you know I sorry like I was dealing with all of this and I was like why didn't you just tell me and he was just like I wasn't about to come and tell you I was depressed. Like, he had yeah. to kind of tell me, like, <clears throat> I's a man. Like, why would I come to you? And I was just like, damn, like, and you know, so that maybe we could to... go into that. Like, but that even comes back communication, you know, because at the very least, he told you, you yeah. know, because he told me months of, later. <laughs> I mean, I've, and I, it didn't take me months, but I remember there was a guy I was talking to and I was, and I, for one, I didn't have much interest in, I know we weren't going to be like a couple. We were just talking, you know? But I remember there was a point where I just didn't have it in me to reply because I was depressed. And when I did have the strength to reply, I hit him up and I said, I'm so sorry that I was, you know, gone, but I was dealing with something and I just didn't have the strength to reply to anybody. I'm sorry for that, you know? But when y'all experience, like, issues with your mental health or things like depression and stuff like that, like, do you feel like because you're a man, you have an inability or, like, you would hesitate to express that you're going through that stuff? Um, recently, well, not recently, I would say recently because it feels so soon, but probably like a little after the hurricanes and stuff, I know I just wasn't right. And I think the first person I probably said that to one of my friends, I was on the phone with him. And the thing is, the hurricane didn't necessarily affect me, or at least I felt like it didn't. And it was maybe months after the lights, the power was back on, everything was almost back to normal and stuff. And it just kind of hit me. And the first person that I, that I said those words to was, was my friend. And it definitely just wasn't judgmental. He was like, dude, you might have PTSD. And it might not be something that you're thinking about, but that's just kind of what it is. And I think, and I, I don't even think it's a man thing, but when you really go through clinical depression, it's very difficult to describe to people what you're feeling, you know? And... um I think that this conversation just kind of broadens itself out more than for men and just kind of leads back into cherishing your mental health and your mental worth. Because to me, that's the most important thing that you have. So at the end of the day, being in those states, I know we were talking about relationships, but just generally speaking, when you find yourself getting into those states, if you can afford it, you definitely want to get some professional help yeah for me 
at the time when I finally decided to seek that professional help, it was two years after I was feeling how I was feeling. So I went through feeling how I was feeling and knowing that something is wrong and not being able to voice it for a whole two years. So all of that was inside of me. And it's just like, you don't know how to express it to people sometimes. Like for me, like when I did express it to some people, their reaction was just like, oh, you ain't going through nothing. You like, you gonna be all right. So then it makes it harder for me to express it to the next person. So for this two year period, I'm just keeping this inside of me. And like, I'm sure I ghosted some people during that time. Like outside of just like women, just like friends in general, like because it's just I don't know how to express it, and I'm not even attacking this situation at hand. So when I finally got to the point where I started to seek that professional help, it was a lot easier for me to be like, man, I'm going through this, I went through this, and I'm seeking help, and it's helping me. So now I'm an advocate of like you know expressing that because you never know the next person you talk to. That could be useful to them, but it didn't take me till that time where I was actually feeling that I was being healed, that I was able to express it in a like you know in a healthy way, not just being a old man. I going through something that like man, I went through this, this happened, and now I am feeling much better because of this. So it didn't take. It took me so long to be able to express it healthy to people in my life that I'm sure you know. It's not easy for people to tell people what they're going through in that moment. I think, I think, and this might be a segue to our current chain of events that's happening right now. I think some somebody needs to tell our little boys that what they're going through isn't normal. Like what we're seeing on the internet every day, even just even to our communities, like we are an impoverished people in the Virgin Islands. The things that we see, I, I watched a video a little while ago earlier today, what look like little boys in housing just kind of shooting after each other. And these people are the people who are going to go to school or maybe ain't in school or whatever. And they go feel like that's what make them manly. Owning a gun makes you a man. Being able to sit out, I slap this dude off, that makes me a man. Defending for my hood makes me a man. And, and that stuff ain't normal. I, I think that when we're in our box or when we're in whatever box that we're in and we kind of just see these things every day, we internalize those things and we have no idea of any other life. I, I, I don't know how, how many of you actually been to St. John. You know, how, how many of us that are in St. Thomas ever been to St. Croix, even for just out of the Virgin Islands. And I think that when we're exposed to nothing but the things that we think are normal, that it just kind of set off, trickle down chain events of trauma that gets people to the point of young men of not being able to express themselves verbally. They have to express themselves with anger. They have to express themselves with violence. And then that begets the, the poor conception of who we are as a people, you know? So it's like, we, we have to start teaching kids that what ha was happening in their lives for the most part, a lot of people are not living normal lives, man. And as an educator, I just try to take students out of, that, out of that mind frame as much as I can. And if you guys have nieces or nephews and whoever else, if you have people in your community that you see, just kind of try to take them under your wing, man. Try to, try to save us. Women too, young women need that too. Because they're seeing a lot of different things, they're experience, experiencing a lot of different things, 
a lot of our boys being sexually abused, all these different types of things happen to us and it's not normal, man. And and we have to stop kind of pretending that it is and just brushing it off. And hopefully that us knowing better and doing better for those that's coming up, hopefully that's, that sets off a better chain of events than what may happen. In. And just to piggyback off of that, you know, not just only reaching down, but reaching across and reaching up too, because it ain't just the people, the younger generation that's, you know, broken and seen. There's a lot of people in our group too that's, you know, you might see somebody doing something this way and it's be like, my boy, like, that's not the right way, you know, like seek a different way or something like that. And then the older generation, you got to look at them too, because a lot of times they're still stuck in some ways and it's harder for them to get out. But, you know, them seeing it from, from me or from you, something different, something, a new point of view, a new perspective that they might not have seen. Because just like how them little youths probably never see anywhere other than the house in the end, them older generations even worse because they've been here longer and they see these places as well too. Mm-hmm. And and they're not as connected as we are. So like maybe the, the youth have an opportunity to see stuff via the internet, mm-hmm. via this social media, whatnot. The older generation, they don't mind them stuff. So they're still just stuck in that one little box that they're in. And we just need to be able to not only reach below, but reach across and above mm-hmm. us as well too. You're right. I'm so glad you said that because like, what I tend to do is my mom and like my aunties and those of the generation before us, I, whenever the conversations come up, those who actually want to hear what's going on and are like, want to know different perspectives. We have those conversations, you know, and there's so many things that even my mom like has unlearned from her upbringing. And she always thanks me and Diamond. She's like, yo, I'm so glad we have these conversations because the things that I thought were okay that are not, I'm I'm now glad that I'm okay with making those changes. And what she does is she then talks to her friends and those who will more listen to her. Because not everybody going to listen to somebody younger than them. Some people, they still have their pride and, oh, you can't teach me nothing. You know, so what my mom takes from us and she realizes is a different perspective. She shares it with her friends, you know, and surely they're going to share it with somebody. And if nothing else, they'll have respect for how we choose to raise our children and what we're doing with the generation after us. You know what I mean? Like, cause that was a good point. Like reaching across is just as important as bringing up the generation after us for sure. Yeah. I I will say this. The entire idea for this episode came about because a friend of mine actually listened to um, something about nothing, which is the podcast that Malcolm is in um, or host with with his friend. And one of the episodes that y'all posted not too long ago, you were talking about therapy and the fact that you went to therapy and it wasn't like a super like deep serious conversation like they were just casually chatting about like yo like I I had these um these issues I was dealing with and I went to therapy and it was just like you know real relaxed conversation and my friend was like hearing that was like because he's been in therapy for a while and he was like that was like reassurance for me as a man like yo this is this is okay like I could be in therapy and it's the same thing with Dre on his Facebook page like he literally talks about every issue under the sun, but he invites other men and other people to kind of take part in the conversation. And it's something that you don't, or you didn't see often before. Cause I even see it on Twitter. Like a lot of black men are sort of opening up this space, especially online to let other men talk about the things that they go through. And I was like, we need to also open that space on the podcast because it's easy to come from a female perspective when it's two women hosting a podcast. So I was like, I need to bring these two people into this space 
Um, so one one other thing that I definitely wanted to touch on, and it's because me and Dre talk about it. Dre said that he hates the term toxic masculinity. So I kind of wanted to get your insight on that and why you you do dislike the term and sort of you know go into that topic. Well, first you have to define toxic masculinity for me because for the life of me, all we have to do is breed and we toxic. So you need to describe what it is so I could have some type of understanding. So so just to explain. When people call somebody toxic versus when people are talking about toxic masculinity, it's it's sort of a separate, those are two separate terms, right? So toxic masculinity masculinity refers to this idea that men have to be super masculine, you can't be vulnerable, you can't be sensitive, you can't express yourself by crying. Basically, it's this like societal role that y'all have been given and that you have to live up to, add into that, like this whole idea that it's okay if men lose their virginity young and it's not sexual assault. So it's okay if grown women to be walking up on little boys. That's not like basically that double standard as it affects men. That's what toxic masculinity is. But then just like I have previously assumed is overused and misused. And that's why I don't like it. So even like, I hate to bring this back up because I just hate the comparison, the boozy bosses doing Wade type thing. That's I, I would say that as toxic because Boozy had had his son sexually assaulted. Yeah. And the, and the even to just kind of align it with what we're doing, like it doesn't even compare. And I guess this is toxic as well. Like the, a little while ago, doing Wade dyed his hair red and his son's hair is pink. And the, the conversation is, oh, he's coming out through his son and he's, he, he's gay because he dyed his hair like like dude to dye your hair is not gay to put your penis inside of another man is gay or if another man puts his penis inside of you that's gay that's very different from dyeing your hair that's a very thick line you know and and just where like future to dye his hair blonde but future isn't gay it's just it's 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 strange to just throw toxic masculinity to other things that I guess personally I might not, I don't have an example, but I just, I feel like some things are just human behavior. Humans behave in a certain way. And that might be just generally toxic or it might just be mistakes that people make. I just feel toxic masculinity is thrown around too much, but Boozy has done something toxic. You know, the idea that if I wear certain clothes, I'm interested in men, it, it might tote the line of toxicity versus just the way how some people are raised. So I just hate the term to be thrown around like that. Can you give an example of a time that the term was misused? Like, can you think of a time where somebody referred to something as toxic masculinity and you feel like it just, gen- like it wasn't? And I can't, that's the thing. I, and I heard it so much, I just kind of shut my brain off. Um, I, I speak to people that I respect and when they use the term, I ask, or um, like misogyny, right? Misogyny is, you have to correct me if I wrong. Misogyny is a system that perpetuates the hatred of women, right? Or the, or the, um, the suppression of women. To an extent, yeah. yeah. So that's also, <laughs> I feel like that's also overused. Just, just because... And I don't want to say just because to mitigate this, but just because we're in a patriarchal society, I don't think every single thing is misogynistic or every single thing is toxic. 
and I can't bring up that scenario. But if it does happen again, I could definitely find you and tag you in wherever it is. So we could kind of put it on the scale of justice to see if it's, if it's toxic. Definitely tag me. Like, I'm always like, tag me. <laughs> yeah, I think those like, like toxic masculinity and just the word toxic, they start to use it so much. So what Dre is saying, they use it for stuff that doesn't like necessarily fall under that umbrella that it's just like, it loses the meaning of it. And now you have a whole bunch of people thinking that what A and B doing is toxic when it's not really toxic. That's just human behavior. And then when they actually see something toxic, they can't identify yeah. that specific thing as toxic. And it's just like, it's just have, so overused and misused that the word is just, it's annoying at this point. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And I agree with that. Um, Sometimes I feel like just ten, things tend to be overused. Um, I am a very lengthy person. So I like to say, I like to give a why. And that's probably because I have a six-year-old who always wants to know why. So like by nature, if I'm going to tell you what you just said is misogynistic, I'm nine times out of 10 going to tell you why what you said is misogynistic. And maybe if more people did that, it, people would be more receptive to hearing when something is considered um, misogynistic or when something that somebody did is, you know, teeters on the line of toxic, toxic masculinity. Because um, so a lot of the time people don't give the why and that's what makes it seem invalid. So, I think a lot of times, too, some women assume that we can't perpetuate toxic masculinity. And like it, we do. Like, a lot of moms are raising their sons to think that it's okay to do certain things that are actually harming them because, mm -hmm. you know, in the name of being a man. Exactly. And then, you know, they won't recognize that that's their own. They're like, perpetuating it. Yeah. Exactly. I have a question for you, Lanky. Your parents ever talk to you about sex? No, wow. I think the first time I recall having a talk about sex with my mother, I was a grown adult. Like it was at that point, it was just like I've already done indulged in this. Like at this yeah. point, what you're telling me is I know what you're telling me already. That's yeah. from my parent point of view. But like I talked to it with like all our cousins and stuff like that. But parents wise, I never got sit down and had a conversation mm. about it. But okay, so question for both of you. Did you feel what's the word? I don't want to say precious, right? <laughs> but like, so for us, our virginity is always like marketed to us as precious, right? You, you, your body it's a is flower. precious. <laughs> yeah, you're, it's, it's a flower. Like, don't just give it to anybody. But I feel like for my boys, they were just like, yeah, I start fucking when I start fucking. It's just like, which is so, you know, it's so crazy. I can't tell you how many men I know who lost their virginity to their older babysitter or something like that. And it disgusts me. Like, I literally want to fight. And let me just let it be known to all y'all grown women out there. If your 21-year-old daughter is trying to have sex with my son when he's 14, I'm burning your house down, okay? At the end of the day, people need to protect boys the same way they protect girls. Boys are being sexually assaulted, okay? You know how many boys have experienced some form of sexual assault and they don't speak up because they feel like they're not supposed to? They feel like they're supposed to want to be sexualized. That is not okay. It is not normal. I don't, I'm not here for it. And I will burn down your house, okay? Like, <laughs> I am saying it. I mean that shit. If my young boy is assaulted, a man or a woman, because men out here are assaulting little boys too, let's be clear Boys are being sexually assaulted and the same effort that we put into protecting a girl and protecting her from being preyed on, we need to put that same effort into little boys. But here's the thing though, we are taught that having sex makes us men. So 
let you you saying that if a 21 year old has sex with your 14 year old son then that's terrible which it is right and i don't know your son but if you told me in high school and my teacher well not me because i was a punk but if you tell a little boy in high school that his fine teacher wants to have sex with him that's something that he going for all my friends lost their virginity before me right and i was pressured to do it not necessarily pressured by them but it was a societal thing to say, okay, 14, cool, people having sex, not everybody. 15, more people start breaking off. 16, most people already break off. 17, if you're doing it, and for me, it's like, okay, I don't want to get into a situation I'm not know what I'm doing. So now I kind of psyching myself out of having the experience, even when I have opportunities to do it. And my friends in their mind looking out for me saying, and this is just going to be very colloquial. But if they were going on a beat, they want to know that they, whoever they're going for, have a friend for Dre. Because we want Dre. We, we need to cheer on Dre to, 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 to just break it home. And I, I ain't going to lie to you. The night I lose my virginity, after I take that girl back to wherever she was staying, the first thing I do is call my friend. The first thing I do is call my friend. And I say, hey, guess what? And he was like, what? And like I pause and I start screaming and he starts screaming and it was the happiest day about our life, right? Because, because at that point, like I say, it was just when, when, when you are growing into adolescence as a boy, sex is something that is a, is a milestone. It's can something I, that you kind of have to get. Can I ask you this? Was she the same age as you or at least was it, Oh, that makes it better, though. But yeah, when you yeah. have a, a teenage boy who's got a 30-something-year-old woman making him feel like this is what he should be doing, that's a different thing. You know, like, if, listen, if me and Dylan's dad raise him to feel like, you know, sex isn't the top thing and all this jazz, if he makes a choice as a teenager to still have sex with another girl who's consenting, I can't do nothing about that because he's going to have sex whenever he's ready to have sex. But I want, when my son decides to have sex, it's because he's ready to have sex. And the person that he's having sex with is somebody that is also consenting. You know what I mean? And not somebody right. that's coercing him and making him feel like this is what he's supposed to be doing. Like, that's that's all right. I'm asking for out here. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that's fair. But like, as I mentioned, the pressure is something different for us. It's different for us to the point where that could lead you into a false sense of what sex and sexuality is supposed to be. Not even that it can, it, it does. Because then we view this as not the person that we're having sex with, but just the action of being able to yeah. say, this is what I've done. So in, in just in terms of talking about men and just kind of figuring out what's wrong with us or, or figuring out how to circumvent these different issues that may come about for the younger generation, we have to be open to understanding that Yes, you guys do have pressure to keep your virginity, but the pressure that we have to lose it is crazy, so especially when everybody is. The yeah, so as a, it's safe to say that as a society, we need to normalize boys preserving their virginity the same way we normalize, the same way girls are just expected to preserve it. You see what I'm saying? Like, Well, I don't think we need to normalize preserving it. I think we need to normalize if you gonna be a boy and if if you gonna have sex late be when you want to. when you no. want to exactly not like, because you feel be, that yeah. this is the time like let's not put a timeline on it 
because that, even for girls, like that whole oh you if you lose your virginity, like you as a whole, like something. No, we like all that dumb shit. Yeah, different about you and no, like just let people look. I don't want teenagers having sex when they're too young to understand what sex is. But exactly. Just, if they're going to do it, let them be one in in a situation where it's consensual on either side, where y'all are similar ages, where you fully want to do it not exactly. because yeah but i mean exactly teen- teenagers don't fall under pressure for everything for I mean, everything and that's a whole other story for another day that's a different podcast episode <laughs> that we might be able to have you guys on for <laughs> i know I, I i don't know how long this is going right but i tell you this too you know it's not just a pressure for teenagers it's a pressure for guys that's that are let's say all the adulthood because we could be i've been in situations where i've been talking to what the world may perceive as promiscuous women, right? And I'm not having sex with them. But my friend, I don't want to say my friend, but a male counterpart, a man may look and say, well, you playing, man. Or you, or you, you trying to do something with this, with this woman that everybody else ain't doing. Not that I was, but as I said before, I was a slow-moving type of guy, but the pressures aren't just on boys and teenagers. The, the idea that, a woman is is a sexual plaything is a thing. Exactly. So that if 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 you're not using them in that particular way, then you're playing. And if you're playing, then you need to give her to somebody else so they could use her. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a portion of the male mentality that I have to to switch around that. Because I've I've the best sex I've I ever had or good sex that I've had before my wife has come with people <laughs> who I have a genuine <laughs> connection with. It. I have to clean it up. And I just, like the, the 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 connection is what makes the sex incredible. So it's like I, I think when we when we teach people to do that properly, it'll be all right. You guys have to invite me on a sex podcast, by the way. That's that's how my that's wait, how my beautiful wait, people bought yeah, it. I bought to update the notes now, <laughs> sis. <laughs> we need wait, it. We do have um we have a, a sex series coming up um to sort of talk about the different experiences of of men versus women so i gotta bring you back yeah. i gotta bring you back. Don't invite me invite dre dre is the man for this leave me out of that you know, I, I still have my internal stuff i am tackling but we're gonna invite you to a therapy episode something else yeah, i ain't coming i hate to talk about that meanwhile my mother coming on i hear me talking to people about this but you know um i i just one thing i wanted to piggyback off of what dre was just recently talking about and it's is a problem that men have in general. Like we don't look at women as women a lot of the times. We're looking at them as, you know, an object and we're using them to masturbate in a sense. We're just using a female body to help us masturbate. Um and we don't understand that this is not just our hand <laughs> or something like that. This this person has feelings, this person has, you know, they're emotional, they have wants, they have needs. And if we can't provide all the other stuff, we don't need to be taking that from them unless that's what they want as well you know it is very misleading when you come in you know you have this mindset that you just want to have sex and this woman might want more but you acting like you want more just so you can have the sex versus two people that's like okay we just want sex let's just have sex if that's the case i'll be using each other up but if the issue is when the two people aren't aligned and one person want this and the next person want the other thing 
Yeah, I think we have touched on some really, really important topics um, throughout this episode. I know for sure that we could definitely lead into a part two on this episode. Mm-hmm. This episode could be broken into so many layers, um, but I want to thank Dre and Malcolm for coming on and for being transparent and talking about your experiences as men. Um, you can find Dre on Instagram at dre underscore two four one six you can find malcolm on instagram or i think twitter is the same too um for both of y'all right uh i think my twitter is without the underscore but i i go in for twitter man i just the old man in the club on twitter now. <laughs> <laughs> me too stay on for me <laughs> i only go on twitter to drag molly <laughs> Exactly. So Malcolm is on Twitter or Instagram at Mr. Lanky. So y'all can find them. I'll also be tagging their usernames um, in the description of this episode. But guys, I'm so excited that we were finally able to record this. So thank you guys for coming on. And of course, you can always find me and Deidre back here next Monday. Good Up is hosted and produced by Deidre Ritter and Hey Isaac Quinones Ivory and is a proud member of the Kicking It family. Find us on all social media platforms at GoodUpPod. Use hashtag GoodUpTuesday to continue the conversation and get access to exclusive bonus content at patreon.com slash GoodUpPodcast.